0: everybody
1: and no one can whoop, him. whoop him. Only last week I murdered a rock, Angelo Stone has for brick. I'm so mean I made Patterson sick.
0: Yo yo what's going on guys? It's your boy Chris coming at you with another episode to the beautiful Struggle podcast. And this is episode 51. And if this is your first time tuning into the Beautiful Struggle podcast, this is a personal development and a business podcast. And really, my goal for this podcast is to empower you guys to live the life that you deserve. All right. So with all that being said, we have another guest on via Zoom. Uh, My guest today is an entrepreneur and a financial advisor. Uh, Welcome, Jonathan Fisher. What's going on, bro?
1: What's going on, Chris? Thanks for having me, brother.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, Before we get into uh, your background and and your story, I really wanted to ask, you know, how are you doing during this quarantine recently? I know we've been we've been on this thing for a while now, but how has it been affecting you, affecting business?
1: Yeah, man, I mean, honestly, this whole quarantine thing is new to everybody. So it's all about investing with me personally. Um, being in the wealth management space, um, it's, a bit, it's, a bit, it's been a bit difficult as far as dealing with clients and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everything, uh, especially given the market uh, with this pandemic, it's been pretty choppy mm-hmm. uh, and, and uncertain at, at times. So uh, it's been an adjustment period. But one thing that I would say is that, uh, you know, there's no better time to actually, you know, perfect your craft than yeah. in a time of crisis.
0: Right, right. no, that's really good. Um so yeah, man, let's, let's let's dive into it. You mentioned that you're in the the wealth management. You said wealth management, wealth wealth building space. What was wealth, the term wealth, management,
1: wealth wealth management, wealth, wealth building. Wealth
0: management. Building. Yeah. Yeah, well, so um
1: yeah, both we have clients on both ends of the spectrum that have wealth and are looking you. Um, you know for us to manage that wealth and, you know, transition and that wealth. And we also have uh, clients that are in that process of building wealth as well. Got
0: gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. No, that's good. Um, so we can just dive into, you know, you growing up, you know, Jonathan Fisher as, as, as a young man, um, you know, um, and, and take us through your journey and your story to be coming to where you are right now.
1: Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, and I listened to your podcast, uh, been listening to a couple of the episodes, you know, prior Appreciate to it, part, really. um, you know, similar to one of your guests in the past. Um, uh, I grew up I grew up out in Los Angeles, uh, Inglewood to be specific. And I, you know, my brain was a little bit different. You know, my family, we weren't, you know, uh, well off or, you know, mm-hmm. we're about, you know, middle class. I mean, just depending mm-hmm. on how you, how you want to, you know, your perspective, you can right, say right. between lower to upper middle class. And it's it's all based on your, you know, your perspective and how you grew up, but, uh, definitely, um, a bit different. We grew up, uh, me and my brother, uh, two years younger than me. Uh, like I said, growing up in Englewood, we both went to private school. So that was a little bit, uh, different than, you know, um, most kids growing up in the area and my parents, you know, that was one of the decisions they made early, uh, as far as, you know, what they were willing to sacrifice to have, uh, you know, put me and my brother in a better position. So, uh, you know, growing up, uh, you know, from kindergarten through 12th, we actually went to private school. Uh, my brother did about, you know, one and a half years uh, at a non-private school after, you know, my parents moved out of the inner city. But uh, for the most part, um, that was that was a challenge because, uh, you know, even though I was in the... you know, the inner city where, um, you know, a lot of the population, we don't really have the resources that, you know, you would see out in suburbia, but, um, you know, there was still a good level of black influence, um, you know, within the schools that I went to, you know, you had, you know, kids coming from, you know, the view park, Ladera, Ladera areas where, uh, you know, of course, Inglewood area where where it's not the same as it is now. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. that area has seen a lot of transition. But um, just coming up in that area and being in the private school space, I saw a lot of the sacrifices my parents had to make. Like, you know, coming up, it, w- it wasn't easy, uh, you know, especially, um, you know, uh, I don't know, especially just, you know, given everything that we had to endure just to get that, you know, that edge as far as being in a private school. So maybe one month, shoot, the the, the lights might have got cut mm-hmm. out or, you know, we're running on cold water or whatever the right, case may right. be. So we got the we got the cable hooked up to the neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cable. That's how we get cable for, <laughs> for, the, for the month. But I mean, that's that's just real, man. Um mm-hmm. You know, you do what you got to do to make those. Um, you know, you make those specific decisions and sacrifices for your kids. And you know, right. I, you know, I think it was a it was a blessing in disguise. Seeing uh, what it was, seeing what that sacrifice actually had to. You know, seeing mm-hmm. what that sacrifice was for my parents and seeing how that played out for me and my brother. Um, I think that, like I said, that was a blessing in disguise.
0: Absolutely. Um, no, I was going to say, um, I can definitely relate to you because my parents, they grew up in Englewood as well. Uh, I was born in Torrance and lived there for two years when I was a baby. But same thing, like I can definitely see the sacrifice that they had to make and, you know, everything that they went through. And I'm sure you can go way into detail about some of the things that they've done for you. But yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, any entrepreneurs in your family? Um.
1: As far as entrepreneurs in my family, no, there's no Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs in my family uh, at all. Um, The closest that I have is, um, you know, uh, my family friend, or actually, you know, considering my cousin, we've known each other since about five years old. Uh, His his father, um, he actually um, acquired some real estate properties while we were young. So we were, you know, able to see what it was like having to go out and help. And, you know, granted, we had a, you know, a very minute scale of, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. of of what it took to actually run those properties. Um, So um, just seeing that it kind of opened my eye to other things as far as, you know, entrepreneurship uh, and, you know, being able to earn um, income and then build equity outside of a nine to five. Mm
0: -hmm. So, When was that initial switch for you to for you to to want to jump into entrepreneurship, wanting to learn more about financial literacy, uh, wanting to educate yourself um, more about wealth building? When was that switch for you? I know you mentioned, um, you know, you know, seeing people do real estate. I mean, to me, that's that's a little bit of exposure that that little bit of exposure can can have a huge impact on a child, you know, seeing that, wow, you can there's a different way to make money out there
1: yeah exactly that's you know you kind of hit it right on the head um that does get you um it, it opens your mind up to you know ideas that you were never previously um, you know exposed to so my journey as far as becoming a, a entrepreneur and getting into finance was, was a little bit different than most um in college i actually you know i um, my degree was in business management so hmm crazy thing is in, in college I hated finance because to me it, it, it felt too much like accounting, which mm-hmm. accounting I completely hated. Um, so, um, while I was in college, I was actually uh, working for uh, San Bernardino County and Riverside County for, uh, in their, in the school system. I worked with, uh, the special education classes as a teacher's assistant. So, um, That's that's pretty much the bulk of my uh, college, um, Mm -hmm. you know, career as far as, you know, what I did for work. I said I did that for about three years or so. Uh, And I also worked in, you know, after school programs, working with kids as well. So the bulk of my college career, I worked with kids, so I didn't really have any business or financial experience. Um, you know, lead, you know, leading up to my, you know, me graduating from college. Um, but I, you know, what I will say is that that experience did help as well because it helped me understand. Uh, you know, you have to one, you have to be patient uh, when you're dealing with people, and two, that communication is key mm-hmm. because we're working in the special education classes. It's the communicate the line of communication is not always you know simple. You know, there's, there's, you know, um, nonverbal communication that you have to pick up on. Uh, you know, just, just different things that you have to pick up on in, in, in order to be able to uh, communicate effectively in that space. But what I, what I will say is after, you know, graduating or actually my last semester of college, I took it, you know, I'm, I had like this epiphany. I said, you know what? I've been working with, with kids, you know, my whole college career and, you know, that's great. I enjoy it. But at the same time, you know, I'm here getting a degree in business. So I need to align my, my uh, career goals with my, my, what I came here to, you know, get my education in and that's business. Mm-hmm. And that, <clears throat> and then that again, that last summer, I mean, sorry, last semester of, um, you know me actually being in school I got hired as a um, I got hired on as a teller at Wells Fargo and that was really my introduction to the financial space um, at that time you know again my 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 journey was a lot different than mm-hmm. than most uh, at that time I was about 20 23 20, 24 graduating and I had literally I um, literally just had my second daughter. So mm. I had both of my uh, kids while I was in school. Uh, my oldest daughter, you know, I had her in you know, uh, 2009, and then my youngest in 2011. So my experience, you know, as far as college and everything, was, was you know, a lot different than most. Right, right. At least. But, <clears throat> you know, that was where I really – Flip the switch as far as okay. What do you want? What do you want to get into? What do you like as far as business? And you know, from working with Wells Fargo, um, like I said, coming in as a teller, you know, you're starting in a, you know, in essence, at you know the bottom of the totem pole. Um, and you know, one day, uh, you know, a gentleman walks in, and you know, it's probably about eleven, eleven thirty. And the bank opens at nine and, you know, he walks in with his briefcase and he, you know, goes to sit down, sits down in the back of the back of the branch and he, you know, starts making, you know, starts picking up the phone and making calls. And I have no clue who he is. And, you know, eventually clients, you know, people start walking in and, you know, they'll point to the back and, you know, they'll go get seated, you know, because, you know, People that um, you know, if, if you've been in the in the branches, like yeah, okay, you've seen like the the barriers before the tellers. It's kind of like a, a fishbowl, mm. living in the fishbowl almost when you're mm. when you're uh, a teller, you know, working in that um, in a branch, you know, for for most of this, for most branch setups. So uh, a lot of the exposure that you really get is actually being on that other side, uh, you know, dealing mm. with the people face to face. So, you know, you know, I asked my manager, you know, you know, who's that guy? And she, she let me know, like, oh, that's our financial advisor. I'm like, oh, what does he do? And she broke it down, like, oh, well, he, uh, you know, he works with our clients, you know, to help them with investments. You know, I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. I, like, I, I, think I want to do that. You know, and you know, coming in and pretty much uh, deciding your own schedule doesn't doesn't hurt either.
0: Right. But right.
1: you know, from there, that's what I really, you know. I kind of, you know, went down a rabbit hole as far as, you know, trying to figure out what I could do to actually enhance my skills, you know, to someday achieve that status or achieve that, uh, you know, that type of career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it's, it's crazy because um, as I, you know, matriculated through my banking and finance career, you know, I, I, I um, got into a lot of different things in business banking. That was one of the things that I actually dove into uh, immediately uh, as I became a banker, which didn't take very long. As soon as I, uh, as soon as I graduated, I went full time and became a banker. Um, and the first thing I really dove into was learning business, and um, I kind of, I won't say regretted it or, or didn't didn't want that route. I was you know solely focused on investments initially, because that's all I wanted to to do. And my manager at that time, he, he kind of stopped me. He said, you know what, what I want you to do is I want you to learn business. You know, and I'm like, you, you want me to learn business? I just got out of school, you know, four years for business. What do you mean you want me to learn business? Like, I know business. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You know, he, him having a, a degree in business as well. He was like, yeah, I understand. But I want you to learn business, you know, from the from actually doing business not necessarily from learning from a textbook and that the really practical you know, business yeah it was, a, it, was a, it was a it was uh for me i had to check my ego and you know kind mm-hmm. of understand okay yeah you might know business from a, a, a you know um you know a technical standpoint where you you, you read the books and you've taken the test but like you don't know it from an application standpoint, you know, how to, um, actually, you know, uh, develop business and, you know, um, learning about business, mm-hmm. um, businessmen and business women and how they, uh, how they go about their business. And that was one thing where he kind of expressed to me, you know, um, in the wealth management space, you got, you know, two kinds of people. You have people who, Either one, they either come from money or you know, developed a, a certain skill to actually um, generate wealth. Or you have people who own businesses, and a good portion of the people who are in the wealth management space are a business owner in, in some right. You know, whether it's through real estate, whether it's through um, their own um, you know brick and mortar business, whether it's through a consulting type business, whatever it is uh majority of them have businesses because just let's face it the uh you know the wages that are paid um you know by these corporations they're not they're not waiting in most cases they're not wages that will allow you to live a comfortable life and establish wealth um mm-hmm. you know at an accelerated rate especially you know looking at you know clients of 30s 40s you know um most jobs aren't paying them enough to where they can uh live a comfortable life and you know stash maybe two three hundred thousand away uh within a you know four to five year time frame or you know maybe in and honestly you know even a ten year time frame, a lot of these corporations aren't aren't really paying enough um to actually do that so uh knowing that most of the people that I'll be talking to will be professionals and uh you know business owners. That was one of the routes that you know, one of the pit stops that he you know made me stop at and say, okay, this is what you're going to learn and you know these are the skills you're going to develop in order to um, you know achieve that you know goal that you had. And um, like I said, that was that was actually a blessing because it, it that let me know that you know whatever goal I had set out uh, for myself, there were benchmarks that I had to you know actually set for myself, and there were, you know. Um, th- there were sub goals that I had to actually, you know, set for myself as well, and it- a specific skill set that you have to be able to uh, develop in order to reach that overall goal that you may have. Um, so that was that was, you know, uh, pretty enlightening. I I'd say, the, you know, the least.
0: Right, right. No, that's really good. So now you 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 went down the rabbit hole of being a financial advisor and doing whatever it takes to get there um talk about maybe some of the early struggles that you had um stepping into entrepreneurship stepping into being a financial advisor
1: yeah man so one of the early struggles that i uh, ran into uh was the network um hmm. you know granted you know they say your network equals your net worth so My network growing up in, uh, you know, Inglewood, California, and I went to, actually went to, as far as the schools I went to, I went to, my like I said, my college career was crazy. I started off at Long Beach, ended up transferring to UCR, and finished over at uh, Cal State San Bernardino. So my network wasn't the most affluent, but Mm -hmm. it was very robust in the sense of there there were a lot of people I was exposed to in many right. different uh, you know uh settings so having a network that expanded from Los Angeles to the inland empire that was something that helped me as far as you know volume you know making sure that i had enough um people to actually uh, leverage and you know enough relationships to leverage in order to um develop those relationships that i needed to you know be successful um one thing that i would say as far as um, the um the wealth management space or you know the financial advisor role um there are you know licenses that you have to acquire along the way and you know just like any uh, standardized test whether it's you know uh i'm not saying it's equivalent to the bar because that's still one of the goals that i Mm -hmm. have uh, to actually you know go to law school i um, still debating on whether I want to practice and, you know, take the bar, take the bar and be able to, uh, you know, practice litigation, but that's still a goal of mine. So whether it's any standardized test, I had to acquire uh, many licenses in order to, um, you know, practice in that, in that space. So that's another challenge as well that I experienced and had to endure while, um, you know, while not only working but you know actually um you know having young children in the household so we're right. studying for these exams and you know we're studying i'm studying all day you know nine to five while i'm you know uh, in the office and then have it being so overwhelming that i have to bring the content home but now it becomes even more overwhelming because i have to deal with you know making sure the girls, food, you know, homework's done. I
0: couldn't you know. even imagine. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> just, it's just, you know, it was just one thing that, one thing after another, and, um, you know, that was something where I kind of just made a decision early from the first exam, and you know, set, you know, uh, setting that goal for myself that, you know, no matter how hard it gets, just keep mm. pushing through it. You know, uh, good. I, I even dealt with adversity from upper management that were, um, you know, you know, cause the company that I was working for Wells Fargo was sponsoring the licenses that I was getting. So even dealing with upper management, you know, um, uh, questioning me and, you know, Hey, you're behind on this, this, and, you know, dealing with that, that was something that added even more stress. So it was like, you know what? I just had to drown out all the boys and set a pace for myself that I knew that I could handle one and two that would get me to the finish line. So
0: got you, got you, got you. So let's let's dive into um, you today as a financial advisor. Um, I know for me, financial literacy, as we spoke about, it's not a common topic to speak about in my community. Um, I do believe that people are coming a lot more receptive to it. And um, I think nowadays it's almost seem cool to, to know about finances and to be. And to, to be to, to want to be that person that wants to build wealth um i think it's become a lot more receptive especially in our community um growing up i'm sure you probably grew up with a similar mindset or maybe somebody around you had um, i really truly thought that there was only a couple ways out to make it out to have wealth um, whether it's the street life, whether it's sports, you know, that was my avenue, sports, um, mm. or if you were a, an artist, a rap artist, that's all we really knew. Uh-huh. So I think um, now people are becoming a lot more exposed to, you know, different avenues and different ways to make it out. And financial literacy is is, is a crucial, um, has a crucial part to play in to achieving financial freedom or, you know, become an entrepreneur. So, you know, with all that being said, um, I would like to know where would you start when it comes to educating people on this topic, finances.
1: Mm, that's a good question. I mean, so where would I start? Um, as far as the education goes, one thing mm-hmm. that I would say is everybody's situation is different. Right. So, yeah, in, in financial, uh, in financial, the financial um, space, you know, the wealth management space, everything. Um is really goal-based so it, it always boils down to your goal um so your goal may be to you know buy a house in five years or you know um, someone else's goal may be to uh, be able to retire within the next 10 years or you know be able to set aside x amount of money for the kids college it, it, it all boils down to the goal and it's, it's more so of a reverse engineering process. We establish a goal in mind, then we actually understand what we have as far as materials and so resources that we have available. So, you know, okay, do you have a 401K? Do you have healthcare? Do you have you know, these types of insurances? Do you have you know, um, an a, a income uh, generator or source of income that you can you know, set aside extra money for? What, what are we working with here? Um, you know, what's your, what's your family dynamics? You know, um, do you have kids? Do you have a spouse? Are there two incomes? So there's a lot of different variables that um, you have to take into consideration. And you actually build that, you know, that, um, I guess, that roadmap, you know, mm-hmm. to that specific goal based on what you have and what your goal is and the benchmarks that you're setting in between those, in between those two uh, points. Um, and utilizing and maximizing the resources that you have available to you in order to, you know, get to that specific goal. So, um, and again, I know you mentioned that it's not, um, hasn't always been a popular thing. It's, it's, it's not. And to this day, I mean, I still find myself, you know, uh, trying to preach from the mountaintop and, you know, Mm -hmm. you, the thing is now people are actually listening now, but Mm -hmm. now the, 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 the thing now is to get them to act because mm. people are listening their, their ears are open their eyes are open but they're still you, act. you know I got you so it's it's getting we we've we've opened our minds to it now we have to act on it um mm. and people think that it's uh you know something where it's this huge goal and you have to you know invest thousands and mm. it's like you can literally start by just deciding to, you know, put $50 a week or, you
0: know,
1: $50 a month or whatever, whatever your your budget allows, you know, that's like I said, it boils down to those resources that we're working with, understanding your situation, because everybody's situation is different. One person mm-hmm. may be able to, to you know, just throw aside $1,000 a month to a, a portfolio every month. Other people might not be, they might only have, you know, $100, $200 disposable income after all the bills are paid and after you know um all the necessities are taken care of in order to put aside to invest so knowing which knowing yourself and knowing your situation is really important when when it comes to actually setting those goals because you have to be realistic if you're setting Mm -hmm. a goal that's you know way too way too out of proportion to what you currently have i mean that's not a problem but the thing is okay if you're setting this goal of putting away a thousand dollars a month but the disposable income is only you know five six hundred bucks cool that's a goal that you have but what are we going to do to generate some more income so that Mm -hmm. way you're not net you're not net negative every month trying to invest or you're not late on the bills every month trying to put money away to invest
0: Um, why do not to cut you off why do you think it's taken us so long to be at a point where now we're listening you know, why do you think it's taking us so long? Is it because we're just naive or we just wasn't exposed to it? What, what was it? What do you think? Yeah,
1: Ex- exposure is a big thing edu- and yeah. um, you know, education is another thing. You know, this is not things, these, none of these things are things that they teach you in school. So the fact that uh, we don't get exposed to this, you know, from K through 12 and in, in you know, most cases, um, even in our uh, college courses, most people aren't exposed to these things that is one of the biggest problems that we, we see, especially in our community, where majority of us don't come from that. So we don't get to see uh, mom, dad, uncles mm. uh, meeting with their financial advisor, going over their portfolio, checking in on their real estate property, uh, you know, running that business. We don't get to see that in most cases. So what we see is mom going to work, dad going to work, or mom going to work for mom and dad, because dad's not there, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, we see that and we and we associate that with what we're supposed to be doing in our, our careers. Like, okay, they get up, they go to work every day and they work hard, but we don't see the, the working smart aspect of it that a lot of people who come from a, a more privileged background get to see Um, on a daily basis, a weekly basis or whatever, you know, they actually get to see, uh, you know, that account that's been set up for them since they were, you know, a young, uh, young individual and, you know, uh, they get to see what it took, you know, what the the sacrifices that mom or dad make, you know, building that, uh, business or what it took for them to save to invest into that first real estate property, um. So, so exposure is a big thing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the education is another. So I think those are the two things that uh really, you know, uh, held us back to the point where we weren't, you know, it wasn't around us. So we didn't, you know, think that we didn't think in that light. Uh, mm-hmm. But now that, you know, the, the information is out there, it's at the click of a button uh, now. Mm-hmm. So there's no excuse now to not know. So that, that whole um, you know, that whole idea is out. Like you, you can't mm-hmm. you can't use that as an excuse anymore. It's, it's to the point now where it's embedded in the the culture that we we've developed. You know, if you look into the rap culture, my favorite uh rapper, you know, to this day is the late Nipsey Hussler. And there like if you're in the the, the hip hop culture, rap culture, there's no way that you can kind of avoid being exposed to it now because mm-hmm. now it's it's been the information is out there and that's where the, you know, that's where the push is as far as, a, you know, for as far as the culture. And, you know, that's one thing that you can't do anymore. Is you can't ignore mm-hmm. it. So even though you can't ignore it, you can still choose to not act on it. And that's right. where we're at. I was getting people from. OK, you have information. Yeah. Knowledge is power, but applied knowledge is more powerful. Mm-hmm. So we have to apply it.
0: No, that's really good. Um, I mean, Nipsey Elso was one of my favorite artists as well. And he's, he's, uh, as, as well as like Jay-Z, you know, a couple guys that always speak about financial literacy in, in their music. And a lot of times it goes over people's head, but for the people that hear it, like you said, um, applied information, applied knowledge is, um, obviously it's better than, than you just letting it go over your head, you know? Um, what would you say are common mistakes that people common financial mistakes people make you know maybe just three of them that you see people um see people make mistakes on maybe the listeners can avoid these mistakes
1: yeah the uh, first one is living above your means you know Mm. the key to being able to save and invest is to live below your means so if i make $2,000 Two thousand dollars a month, or five thousand dollars a month. But I'm spending two thousand dollars a month, or five thousand dollars a month. I'm I'm really not benefiting myself. You know, it, the person that's making four thousand, but's able to save, you know, a thousand dollars a month, is better off than the person that's making mm. five thousand dollars a month and spending that five thousand dollars a month. So really, being able to um, fine tune the spending habits and um you know live below your means is one of the main things that uh allows that freedom of in- freedom of income to be utilized as disposable income um another thing i would say is uh, a lot of people they they don't pay themselves first You know, you probably hear it all the time, pay yourself yourself first, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. You know, we'll pay our rent, we'll pay our car note, we'll pay our insurance, we'll pay our cable bill, we'll pay Netflix, we'll pay phone bill, we'll pay, you know, for shoes, we'll pay for whatever it is that we want for the month. And then we're like, okay, at the end of the month, whatever I got left, I'll put aside. Funny thing is that whenever people have that, uh, you know, mentality, there's always nothing left at the end of the month. So the hmm. people forget to pay themselves first. And that really, you know, once once you start doing that, you'll start to see, okay, like, okay, I have all these bills. This is my income. Let me pay myself, pay my bills. Um, and I'm not saying by any means neglect your bills to put some money aside. But if it, it comes down to strategy and having, and knowing, your, knowing yourself and knowing your situation, if I have a bill that's due on the 31st, but you know, I got paid on you know the first and the fifteenth. I'm probably going to utilize the check on the fifteenth to pay mm-hmm. that bill on the thirty first. Um, not just to put it off, but because I can go pay that bill on the first and not pay myself. But if I get in a bind and I don't have you know that uh, that uh, you know that cushion to fall back on mm-hmm. because something happened. Uh, and I paid that bill. Yeah, that bill is paid. But now where am I going to get, you know, X, Y and Z from or where am I going to be able to put that? You know, I, I'm not able to make that uh, that weekly investment that I would mm-hmm. be able to make because I didn't pay myself that week. I so have- when you
0: I well, want to just clear it up real quick. When you say pay yourself, is this money that you're going to be saving or is this money that's going to be going towards investment? Where is it going? Because a lot of people might say, oh, I'm going to pay myself. This is my money. I'm gonna go buy me some new shoes or something, you know. So where where is this this money supposed to be going?
1: Yeah, when I say pay yourself, that just means, in essence, uh putting money somewhere where it's gonna be either it's gonna be available for you, or it, it depends. If you have a, a, a good cushion already, you you've developed those habits to where you have a cushion that money can go straight into the investment because Mm. you don't have to worry about dipping into that money um, to meet the bills or to meet these monthly expenses already. Um, You know, and that's the thing. It's like I said, again, it's, it goes down to knowing yourself and knowing your situation and really being true to it. Because um, like you said, you can say, all right, I'm gonna pay myself and this money is for these J's. But, those J's, unless you're taking unless you're buying those jordans and selling those jordans at a premium you're still not like mm-hmm. those jordans are doing nothing for you mm-hmm. um and don't get me wrong but i got i got friends that you know flip the shoes and that's that's cool but there's only so many shoes you can flip like your time mm-hmm. is, is limited as far as shoe right, flipping. Right. you know investing is automatic whether i'm sleep I can have money invested being invested while I'm asleep. So I don't have to do anything that's passive income earned income is, you know, okay. Yeah. I bought those J's and now, uh, you know, I got to find a seller, which is, you know, totally fine. I'll find, you know, i got to find a buyer. because I'm the, you know, I'm the seller. I bought these shoes, going to up them, I mean, up, up, mark, mark them up X amount of mm-hmm. dollars or X amount of percentage and make a profit. That's there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, at some point, that has to become automated. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if it doesn't become automated, it's still a side hustle. It's not a business. Yeah. Um, and that's where, um, that's where a lot of people, uh, kind of fall by the wayside not being able to make that transition from a side hustle into a business.
0: Hmm. No, that's really good. Um, you mentioned saving multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just curious how much you think people should be saving. And Obviously, it's all relative to how much they're making and what their goal is. But is there like a, a number out there? Like, I, I mean, I've heard when you go into business, I've heard people say at least have six months of your income saved up, you know. Um, but I've also and I, I also heard, though, um, you know, saving, putting your money in the bank, depending on how much money you have the bank ain't making you no money. So if it's just sitting, if you have all this money sitting in there, it's not doing nothing for you. So what's your thoughts on those um, two concepts?
1: Um, So again, you kind of hit it on the head as far as, uh, you know, understanding your situation. And that's, um, like you said, everybody in in our industry, um, most firms won't even allow you to, um, you know, proceed or they'll give you pushback where you know if you don't if your client doesn't have the six months of their uh, monthly expenses set aside uh first before you go into developing long-term investment strategies um so that is rule of thumb. you know six months of income is really what you want set aside um and it doesn't have to be like to your point it doesn't have to be in a savings account uh, of course, you will want some something like that, whereas emergency funds, you know, liquid and you know, to get you want to have easy access to it. Um, but again, you you want to be real about what the situation is. You're you're not going to get much from a bank right now. So um, there's tons of ways to actually mitigate that. You could look into you know uh, treasuries. Look into uh, uh, you know, dividends paying stocks, you know, that don't uh, fluctuate very much because they're mature companies, but they're paying consistent dividends because they're not in that growth phase where they don't, they, they're not, they're not pumping all of the money back into the company because, you know, how much bigger, you know, can Coca-Cola get They're in every mm-hmm. store, you know, how much bigger can these, uh, you know, can AT&T get, you know, they are, they're They already owned, you know, say a quarter of the, the, the uh, sit, the towers. And, you know, they're in pretty much almost everybody's home, one, in one shape, uh, one way or another. So these companies aren't necessarily focused on growing more, you know, and growing their clientele. They're focused on sustaining and being, mm. uh, you know, being able to adopt and adapt to, um, you know, the next wave or the next thing that's coming up. So they have to, you know, in order for them to be able to, um, you know, keep investors happy, they have to pay out dividends. Um, you know, they they know that their investors aren't going to get a lot of growth in these, in these companies. So they're paying out consistent dividends, which can be looked at and, you know, um, looked at as, you know, say rental income from your rental property, you know, Mm -hmm. whether your, your property is not going to fluctuate much, you know, um, for people that don't
0: know what dividends are, can you explain it just real quick?
1: Yeah, dividends are uh, a specific amount that a company uh, decides that they will pay out of the uh, profits from the company. So, for example, uh, a company decides they're going to pay two dollars uh, per share every year in dividends. They'll pay that two dollars out four times within. They'll pay that two dollars out over four periods, the four quarters that are in the year. Mm-hmm. So in essence, you're getting 50 cent per share for a two dollar dividend, uh, you know, a two dollar annual dividend. Um, and say the, you know, the the equation to figure out whether you're getting a real good deal um, is how much you're paying for that stock to receive a specific amount of dividend, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. So for example, if you mm-hmm. look at Antique, they're about thirty dollars a share on roughly. And you know their dividend, I believe, is around two dollars and something, uh, about two fifty. So you really want to um, you know find out okay what that ratio is, and who has the best deal, and who's going to guarantee who who has the best deal and the best track record of paying those dividends as well. Because granted, the dividend might be you know ten percent opposed to a seven percent dividend that's being paid out on an annual basis, but that 7% dividend hasn't hasn't missed dividend, hasn't missed paying a dividend over Mm -hmm. the last, you know, 40, 50 quarters, opposed to that 10% dividend who might've not paid dividends the last two quarters because things were tight within that company. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of different variables to take into consideration, but if you're not acting on anything, your money's Mm -hmm. sitting in that savings earning 0.01% and you know it's all about risk to reward if i'm willing to take a you know say a three to four or five percent risk on a, a dip to earn a modest uh five six seven percent that's something that you know i can uh, me as a wealth a wealth manager a wealth manager or financial advisor i know that's a conservative risk for a conservative uh return and you know, you you mentioned where should they be putting their money. You know, saving like I said, savings accounts aren't going to do it. So you really have to identify. Okay, what is what's my risk? What's my appetite for risk? Am I uh, am I doing this for the long call where I really don't care what the you know uh, the risk is too much in the short run? As long as I know over a long period of time, um, I'm going to yield you know X amount. Or is it to where I have a set goal within five years, I need this money to be available. So I'm not willing to take as big a risk, um, you know, as I would if I didn't need this money for, you know, 20 years. Um, so that's going to determine where you place that money. But there's, there's tons of places you can pl- uh, place mm-hmm. it. You know,
0: um, so that kind of, that kind of leads into my next question. Um how people can acquire more assets. So Mm -hmm. obviously like you just stated, it it depends on, you know, when and how you need the money, but how would you advise people on where, how to acquire more assets?
1: Yeah. I mean, how to acquire more assets is starting by acquiring something first. Um, Mm. You know, assets either do a a few things. Assets can either grow uh, long-term, they can produce income for you. Or um, you know, and that's usually the, the the two main things that they can do for you that grow long term or produce income for you. But a lot of people um, they don't understand the idea of compounding uh, interest. So mm-hmm. if I'm uh, buying, if I buy an asset now, it might produce income, but that income that I take from that asset instead of spending that income or using that income to, you know, go about my daily business and, you know, buy things, I use that income to buy more assets. Now, instead of, uh, you know, getting me having a hundred shares and me getting, you know, uh, you know, that $5 or whatever it is in dividends, I, I'm able to buy a thousand shares or I'm able to buy, you know, 500 shares or whatever it may be. Um because you have utilized that income to purchase more assets, so you know. I guess to answer your question, and, and uh, you know, simply, you buy the buy the asset to produce more income to buy more assets. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. you don't have oh, to pocket yeah. every time to buy the asset. Right,
0: right. No, that's really good. Um, no, that's really good information for the people out there that are like yo, Jonathan, you know, I'm feeling what you're saying. Um, but where can I go educate myself more? Like, what are some resources that you can advise to the people to, cause you know, we all can say, Oh, you know, read a book or, you know, maybe go to Google, but, and it, maybe it could be as simple as that, but where, where is are some like practical resources you would direct people maybe to yourself or, um, where do you think, where would you advise?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, there's tons of resources, whether you're, you know, looking for free resources, whether you're looking for resources that may cost, um, you know, the internet is vast and you got to watch out for misinformation just as much as mm-hmm. you have look right. out for proper information. Um, but one of the like free resources that everybody has access to that has internet is, you know, Investopedia. You can type mm-hmm. in almost any, um, any term, um, within their search, uh, within their search engine. And they'll give you a full, you know, breakdown of what that means. If I type in, go to Investor Crete and type in dividend, they'll tell me what a dividend is. They'll even break down how companies, um, you know, pay dividends. They'll break down dividend yields um, in the whole nine. So um, it's, it's all at the click of a button. If you really, if you really want to get access to it, Um, one thing I've learned in the industry, people who tend to succeed have a strong ability to figure it out and that's not being mean or being rude, but if I just give you the information, you know, just, you know, you ask me for the information, I give it to you, you, you know, you might take some things in, but if you had to work and actually find out that information for yourself and I'm not saying by any means do I want to cut off the the, uh, communication and, you know, uh, resources that, uh, I have access to, or anyone in, you know, my position has access to, um, to, um, you know, educate yourself, but, um, you know, I'm only, I'm limited to a certain amount of time that I have in in my Mm -hmm. specific day. So, I do. At some point, whenever you're gonna start needing to get paid. <laughs> yeah, and and, when, and and the thing is, when I whenever I have a client, there's a certain level of accountability that I have to mm-hmm. my client, but then there's a certain level of accountability that the client has to this relationship as well, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's you know us both doing our due diligence and taking the appropriate steps, but um, I guess to kind of you know really get back. Uh, to your question, where can it go? Um, like I said, Investopedia is a good one. Um, if you want to get more information on, like, uh, you know, how to start businesses and what businesses should, you know, look like, sound like, feel like. Uh, there's tons of books out there. You know, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a, is a good one. Um, you know, one of the books that kind of helped me transition my mindset uh, was 10X Rule, uh, Grant Cardone. Um the richest man in Babylon. There's there's a tons of yeah. there's tons of books that I can point to for you to get grasp that idea or that for you to understand the the concept of being able to you know put money in certain places to work for you or just even having the the mindset to do so uh, or getting you in that mindset to do so. But um, I'm I'm pretty sure you know I actually have a course as well and there's courses that mm-hmm. you know you can take. Um, you know online and um, I think that the internet has pretty much just broke it wide open for everybody to be able yeah. to find out whatever it is that they want like you know my my uh, course how to build a stock portfolio you know it teaches you how, from the ground up how to build a portfolio of stocks um, um, you know what to look for as far as your um, you know what to look for as far as investment opportunities, where you can start, what the investment strategies, so uh, and even breaking down the basics of what investing is and what it looks like. Um, you know, there's there's ton, tons of courses. You know, you can t- you can mm-hmm. pretty much type in a course on you know type in Amazing. anything you want to learn how to do, and there's a course for it. Whether it's YouTube, whether it's uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, Udemy or U- Udemy or I'm not sure how you pronounce uh, it.
0: UD. No, okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, Gumroad, um, Gum, that's yeah, the Gumroad. platform that, that my course is available on. Um, even my, one of my, one of, um, our, well, well, you, you know, one as well. He's, he's yeah, one yeah, yeah, uh, platform melanics, uh uh-huh. for, you know, um, black and brown, um, uh, entrepreneurs or black and brown mm-hmm. uh, instructors that are, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, put in their information that they have out there into a course and a platform for them to, you know, uh, get exposure and, you know, put their resources and knowledge out, uh, you know, to the people who, who need it. Um, so, you know, there's tons of places you can look. But, again, the, the, the due diligence, is, it really comes uh, comes into play when, you know, you're vetting out, okay, do I want to choose this course over this course, or honestly, take them both. Right. Get, get right. the perspective of the, you know, of the person over here who's doing this as well okay. as the, pers- the person that's doing this because one person might have something to say that might spark one idea and someone else might have something to say that might spark another idea. And you need both of those specific ideas to actually, uh, you know, implement your specific strategy or your specific plan mm-hmm. of action. So, um, I'd say don't limit yourself in that, right? Mm. You know, there's tons of free information. There's tons of information that, uh, you know, that isn't free. That's going to cost you something. But Mm. don't be scared or afraid to into yourself, into your knowledge. Because that's what's going to fill you into whatever space that you want to be in is being able to get from where you are now to where you want to be by acquiring the information and skills that you need to get there.
0: No, that's really good. That's really good, and we can we can really start to wrap this thing up. I did want to um, ask you a couple more things. Um, this one is a little off topic. I wanted to ask about your your daughter's lemonade business. Um, I think it's super dope that she's doing. I just had to ask, man. Um, was it her? Was it her idea? How did this come about? Um, I just think it, it's an amazing thing that um, I'm sure you're teaching your daughter how to be an entrepreneur and how to be independent and yeah. how to really go get her own do you want to talk about that real quick
1: yeah man um she actually um she actually started that business when she was she she's 10 now she started at about six seven years old um mm. about seven years old she's been she's really been going in with it um she actually went to her mom and you know asked you know what can what, you know you know, she wanted to start a business and she asked her mom because she started a lemonade business and, you know, um, her mom being, you know, supportive like she is, she, you know, she really um, kind of just went, you know, full throttle mm-hmm. with it. Um, she mm-hmm. started, um, you know, selling them out of mason jars and then from there coming up with, you know, the right bottling she wanted to use, the right marketing she wanted to use mm-hmm. and you know it, it really kind of just took off from there um the one thing that um, i'd say as far as you know my relationship with her as far as to our business i try not to uh, put myself in the business too much um again mom does most of the operations um and as far as like you know the funding and everything that's you know that's something that she she works with uh, she works with her a lot uh, on as far as understanding. Okay, this is your um, this is your cost. This is your you know this is what your uh, you know your profit's going to be based on your cost. These are the things that you have to do to actually um, you know gain more customers or uh, you know put yourself out there and earn um, you know uh, become visible within the, the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my relationship more so is being, a, a, in a, in a sense of an advisor and, you know, we bounce mm-hmm. ideas off each other all the time. Um, you know, she's actually giving me ideas for my business. I, you know, give her ideas. Wow. So understanding that it's not my business to run, but my job to teach her how to mm-hmm. run a business that I think that's one of the main things that, um, help her as an individual and, you know, as an entrepreneur, that she knows that, okay, uh, mommy and daddy aren't going to do it all for me, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be there to give me the things that I need in order to succeed. And she's been very receptive with taking ideas and, you know, running with them, you know, um, you know whether it's, you know, trying to, to come up with different mm-hmm. you know, flavors or, Come up with different uh, ideas for marketing. You know, she's uh, she's you know very bright girl, and um, you know she's always looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I think that's where any entrepreneur, if you don't have that um, innate uh, ability to see over the next hill you know, you'll crash and burn, you know, every time because Mm -hmm. you're not, if you're not worried, if you're not thinking about what's on the horizon and you're, you're too focused on the now, when it comes up, you know, you know, the the times may have passed you or, you know,
0: the, Mm
1: -hmm. the, the the, uh, business that you got into is no longer the same business. It's, it's a different thing now because you weren't able to, you know, foreshadow what was to come. Um, but you have to do that without losing sight of the now, right. You know, you can't be, right. too, um, you know, forward thinking without still having the attention to detail to, you know, make, to take care of the daily things that you need to take care of. And that's where, you know, um, she's developed a, a lot over the years as far as making sure that she's, um, you know, keeping the schedule, um, you know, working it within, working it within to her own schedule. Cause she, you know, she's a kid. So right, she right. has to go to school. She has to do her homework. You know, she's involved in extracurricular activities, dance, cheer, things like that. So um, really um, fine tuning herself and being disciplined um, enough to, you know, have the time management skills um, that are necessary in order to actually run that business. Um, it's something that she's been growing and learning um, how to do over the years. And, you know, me and mom are very proud of her and very supportive. You know, at the end of the day, like her business, you know, so I try to be as hands off as I can be, um, but still make sure that I'm there to give her insight and, you know, uh, advice as far as, um, you know, what she should be Mm. looking out for, um, how to, you know, um, I guess, how to best mm-hmm. um, take advantage of the situation she's yep. in.
0: Right, right. No, that, that's that's beautiful. that's a beautiful thing, man. Um, and for those of you out there, this isn't a lemonade stand on the corner. She got a website, fully branded. You know, Wifey and I, we definitely want to pick up some stuff and support. Um, and I'll, I'll put her, her link in the description of this podcast so people can check it out. But, awesome. hey, we can wrap this thing up. Absolutely. We can wrap this thing up with, um, usually I like to have my guests, um, leave the audience one last piece of advice. It can be finance related. It can be entrepreneurship, life related, but one last thing, and we can just end it on that.
1: Um, man, the one thing I that know I, you've been, you've like, been
0: giving a lot of great advice The yeah. whole, <laughs> I need you one more thing, you know?
1: Yeah, that's no problem. The one thing yeah, that yeah, I advise yeah. anybody, um, whether it's, you know, a business that you're trying to pursue or a goal that you're trying to pursue is always bet on yourself. You know, mm-hmm. so many times we, we, we let people tell us what's attainable, what's, you know, what's not. Be willing to, you know, drown out the noise, you know, set your goal and work towards it, you know, you know, tirelessly and, you know, be willing to invest in yourself, you know, whether it's putting, you know, X amount of money aside into, you know, your goal. Um, on a consistent basis or, you know, devoting a specific amount of time every week, month, whatever to your specific goal, be willing to invest that time, that money, that energy into yourself, because you can invest into the the company that you're working for. And granted you should do that if you're in a position where you need uh, that income to support your drink, but, please don't neglect to invest that time, that money, and those efforts into yourself and your your goal. So that's the um, best advice I could give, you know. Boom, uh, I love, yeah. it. I love
0: yeah. it, I love it, I um, love it. Do you wanna leave any, wanna let the people know about some some places they can follow you, um, you know, website, any anything you wanna promote? I know you have a course out, let the yeah. people know.
1: Yeah, of course. You guys can follow me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, the investor Noob, um, and I'm pretty sure Chris, you'll probably put it, drop it in the, uh, everything, everything. You'll pin it to the, um, the, uh, episode, but yeah, the investor noob, all the information's in my bio, you know, not only do I have access to my course, how to build a stock portfolio, but if you, you know, you go, you, click the link in the bio. There's tons of resources that you can find from, you know, uh, how to trade options, how to be able to actually read charts, um, Mm -hmm. how to build a business. You know, there's tons of resources. And as a financial advisor, that's one thing I take pride in is, uh, you know, being able to be a, a wealth of knowledge and a resource to, um, you know, my clients and people that just want information, uh, you know for their uh for their betterment so
0: love it love it all right well john i really appreciate your time that's right, that's and it's your boy chris right. and i'll catch you guys next week
1: I don't I cut the light off my bedroom,
0: hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark.